Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Kind of two moments this week that, that bookended the last seven days have given me a kind of new lens into our gospel this morning, and I'll kind of start in reverse order. Um, last night, we were lucky to be able to have Sam Wells give a lecture in our parish hall. Sam is the vicar, um, which essentially is the rector of St. Martin's in the Fields in London, um, one of the most innovative churches in the world, um, a, a prolific author, and an incredible preacher. Uh, and so as, after I kind of introduced the evening, I sat down and I opened my phone to share the, the YouTube stream on Facebook. And an old man that I, uh, I worked with 25 years ago at a Boy Scout camp who went to seminary and has spent his entire life studying theology and um, is, is, takes it as seriously as anybody that I have ever met to the point where it's taken him through several different denominations. And he's always on this quest and taking, sharing his classes with N.T. Wright and and. and he responds immediately to the Facebook post, you know, if I had known that Sam was at St. Stephen's, I would have driven from Memphis. He is by far the most profound preacher that I've ever heard. So we're, we take Sam out to dinner um, afterwards, and the whole time I'm sitting there, okay. We've had arguably one of the greatest theologians of our lives just to talk at St. Stephen's our little church in Cahaba Heights. <laughs> the most profound theologian possibly, or one of them, in the Anglican communion, in the parish hall. What in God's name can I say in a sermon on Sunday morning? I, so these kind of feelings of inadequacy, like there's nothing I can say that's gonna compare to one of the greatest preachers. I mean, it, it's not gonna hit there. I know that. And I'm, and it's hit my ego a little bit. Um, week earlier, it's been about five days since I've been in the building of St. Stephen's. I'll let you figure out what that means, but my whole family is healthy now. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm working from home and trying to figure all that out. And day six, kind of talking with our, our leadership um, probably not the best idea for me to come in on Sunday morning and distribute communion to a room full of people. So wonderful thing about sharing with a, a, a multi-clergy staff is that we can have that kind of flexibility. So I worship from home last week and get this feeling that I need to come back and hear the sermon again. And so I come in and at the five o'clock in the evening just to worship and be here. And I see a couple of friends of mine that I haven't seen in a while. So I, I gravitate toward them and we're catching up. Um, they're here early enough that it doesn't feel like a distraction to church. And, and, and my friend asks me, you know, John, how are you doing? And, and usually I'm, I'm fairly guarded. Um, and I'm honest and I, I don't know. That was my answer. I don't know. And he pokes, he's like, you know, what do you mean? 
And um, I, I think I was just real. I, I'm struggling with all of this. I hate the mass. Um, doesn't mean I, I don't think it's the, the responsible thing at this moment, today at least. Um, may not be in a couple weeks, but um, I hate it. I'm struggling to, to figure out about making decisions and always filtering through this lens. I don't understand everything. I'm not an expert on public health. I, I don't know what it means to lead a church in a pandemic. Um, I just like, man, I'm, I'm tired. And I'm real. And I usually would do my best not to tell you all that. <laughs> um, I get an email about 24 hours later kind of hit me. Um, and he's just kind of, it's not what I expected. It was an invitation for him as he's a, a doctor that has a, a staff and, 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 and researchers and is in a similar role of trying to make decisions and leadership and exhaustion. And um, he hadn't considered that it's okay to feel that way. That it was almost this moment of an invitation to say it's okay not to be all right. It's kind of been the bookends of, of, of thinking about that. And, and, and kind of wondering at this moment, you know, I, I suspect that there's plenty of y'all that feel the same way. Maybe some of y'all have it absolutely figured out and know what we need to be doing. And, and I'd love to have coffee and learn from you <laughs> afterwards. But there is this... I don't know, maybe there's, there's this like cultural expectation that we're supposed to be perfect at everything that we do, whether it's being a stepmom to a child, that we know exactly what it is to say um, in our roles and in our professions, um, in our relationships with the, each other. One of the, the questions that I've been kind of pondering over my mind, why is it so hard to get, to get the guys to come to, to Bible study? I wonder if it's because we live in Alabama and you're expected to know the Bible, and so you don't want to show up and expose that maybe we don't have all the answers. So today's gospel, um, kind of early on in Luke, uh, we've just heard about Jesus, the boy in the temple, and the kind of people are beginning to understand who he is. And now today where we arrive, there are crowds gathered. And so Jesus um, gets in the boat with Simon, and um, the son of a carpenter is teaching the child of, of fishermen how to fish. That's kind of an interesting narrative. Um, and then there is this miraculous catch that happens where Simon is doubtful and they catch all these fish. And you hear this story of miracle. One of the things that's interesting is I think the miracles almost kind of take our attention from what's really taking place. And as someone who wants to catch a lot of fish, I wish this story was about Jesus' power to make my chances on the river a whole lot better. But it's not a story about miracles. It's a story about call. It's why the, the lectionary kind of ends the reading with Simon changing his vocation and following Christ. But it's interesting. There's one little word in there that changes the whole meaning of the story. Before Simon has the experience of realizing the fullness of who Jesus is, 
before that miraculous conversion and abandoning the fishing nets to be an itinerant follower and, and part of that healing work, what does he call Jesus? Master. Master. He is already a follower. He is already a follower who does not have all the answers, who does not fully comprehend who Jesus is. In some ways, when you look at this story, it is a trajectory of faith. It is an openness that Simon has to be transformed but he's already following. He's already willing to let him into the boat. That's grace. That's the grace. We're not supposed to be right now at a place with all the answers to understand everything there is to know about God, to have the Bible memorized. I mean, we're Episcopalian. We read more of it than anybody else, but um, we also have the most questions about it. (laughs) There's grace in there. See, the thing about being followers of Jesus is not the certainty in the answers. It's the openness that the transforming gift of God can change the course of our lives. And to be willing, and to be willing to accept that and go somewhere different. But it doesn't mean we have it all figured out. The reason we are here is a willingness to call Jesus master. There's a lot of grace in where that's going to lead us. If you're feeling sometimes like you don't have all the answers or maybe a little inadequate in the role that you find yourself in, welcome to the club. Thank God that God is still there to love us and usher us forward. Amen.